Warning. Seriously Strange covers topics that may frighten or disturb you. Viewer discretion is advised. A serial killing, mass murdering contract killer. He could very well be the most effective solo killer of all time. This week we discuss the Iceman himself, Richard Kuklinski. Let's open the serial killer file. Richard was born in the suburbs of Jersey City, New Jersey on April 11, 1935. His father, Stanley Kuklinski, was a Polish immigrant that worked as a blue-collar brakeman for the Lackawanna Railroad system. Richard's mother, Anna McNally, came from a family of hyper-religious Irish immigrants. Growing up in a rough neighborhood in an unstable home, Richard was subjected to bullying from street kids and severe abuse from his parents. His father was an alcoholic that did not think twice before violently striking his kids and wife. When enraged, Stanley would throw his wife across rooms and would hit his sons, Florian and Richard with things like chairs and with his fists until they were knocked out cold. Richard was the second child of four. His oldest brother Florian's abuse would reach a new level not long into his life. After one too many hits, Florian hit the ground and never regained consciousness. Richard was only five years old when Florian died. With all the torment at home, Richard considered Florian to be his only friend. When questioned by police, the Kuklinski family lied, stating that their son had accidentally died after falling down a flight of stairs. The death of his brother left a bad taste in Richard's mouth, one that would bring him to hate his father to an extreme for the rest of his life. Due to the fact that Anna feared Richard's father, she often stood back or would also beat her children when she felt the need to. Unable to divorce Stanley, Anna frequently turned to religion and would leave home to pray at St. Mary's Church. Such a toxic environment resulted in Richard becoming a painfully shy and awkward child. Children his age saw Richard as a vulnerable target and often picked on Richard for his looks. He was a meek child with a thin and frail structure. School kids would make fun of him, calling him a dumb Polak and a skinny little scarecrow, just to name a few. All of the verbal and physical abuse began to eat away at Richard. The older he became, the more his inner demons called him. Stanley, no longer interested in his family, turned to infidelity and eventually disappeared for good. Now having three children to look after, Richard's mother had no choice but to to work long hours at a meatpacking company. Richard was forced to become an altar boy at his mother's church and was taught to fear God by the nuns at his Catholic school. Richard enjoyed acting as a class clown, which resulted in the nuns and priests beating him with metal rulers and Bibles. With frequent beatings from his mother and the nuns, Richard began to resent his mother and religion entirely. Richard claimed that nuns and priests were a bunch of sadistic creeps who used religion and the always ominous specter of God to scare and manipulate people. Richard believed that if there truly was a God, he would not allow such abuse to occur on an innocent child such as himself. To no surprise, Richard began releasing his aggression out on animals. Intelligent and violent, Richard would lure stray dogs and cats and use extreme methods of torture to kill the helpless animals. He'd pour gasoline on dogs and set them on fire. Cats would be thrown down incinerators or would be beaten to death with hammers. All of the screams and pain inflicted on animals pleased Richard. In no time, Richard was able to consider 
considerably diminish the stray animal population on the streets, waking up the inner demons that began to manifest inside of him. Now growing a backbone, Richard began to turn his aggression onto humans. Richard and his young siblings, Joseph and Roberta, were able to find a new neighborhood to live in with their working mother. At this point, Richard was confident enough to steal and harm anything around him. He was a 13-year-old loner in his neighborhood and had no choice but to fend for himself. A gang of five to six boys called the Project Boys began insulting and abusing Richard. Hurtful words such as dumb Pollock lingered in Richard for most of his young life. With extreme anger building inside of him, he knew something had to be done. On a cold evening, Richard stalked the main leader of the gang that harassed him, holding a two-foot-long closet pole in his hand. Once in sight of his target, Richard was threatened by the bully, and in seconds, with all of the pent-up anger towards his father, the church, and the bullies, Richard struck the boy so hard he accidentally killed him. At first, Richard panicked, but soon after realized that for the first time in his life, he felt powerful and in control, saying, I will never allow anybody to fucking abuse me ever again. After stealing a car and driving two hours to South Jersey, Richard took the lifeless body out of his trunk, knocked out the boy's teeth, and chopped off his fingers before tossing the body off a small bridge into a frozen pool. Proud of what he'd done, Richard realized that he was a changed person. This bully would never bother him again. His first murder would surely not be anywhere close to his last. A young man, Richard knew he was in charge of his life. No one could mess with him. Later on, Richard formed a small gang of his own he named the Coming Up Roses. Together, the boys broke into warehouses, burglarized stores, and robbed the wealthy. His success as a criminal took Richard into the life of becoming a pool shark. Now with money of his own, people feared Richard as he walked down the streets, wearing his lavish dress suits while carrying a knife. Richard's popularity grew on the streets, and because of this, he caught the attention of the Di Cavalcante family. Introduced to Carmine Genovese, Richard and his gang were soon involved in aiding the crime family into mob hits and hijackings. Realizing that Richard was a cold criminal with no remorse for his actions, a crime soldier named Albert Parenti demanded that Richard kill his crew members as they could no longer be trusted. Tough to swallow the instructions, Richard stalked and shot his two crew members when they least expected it. Now a lone man with no crew, the Di Cavalcantes saw a new potential and a lifelong career in Richard. It was the 1950s, a time for crime and merciless killing in Richard's life. Nearly every person in Jersey City and Hoboken knew exactly who Richard was at this point. Now working alongside the Di Cavalcante family, killing became second nature. If anyone dared to offend or give Richard the slightest cold stare, he'd attack or murder them with shocking speed. Richard was a large man, but he moved very quickly and caught people off guard because of this. Always carrying a 38 and a blade, many homeless and bar drunks were killed when crossing Richard's path. When instructed to murder members of other crime families, Richard would dispose of bodies in junkyards and caves located deep in the woods. On one occasion, Richard was instructed by Carmine to murder a salesman. Acting as a potential client to the target, Richard asked to test drive a car just before knocking the target out cold. Placing the man in the car, Richard drove to South Jersey where he tied the target to a pine tree. Instructed to inflict extreme pain to the man before killing him, Richard used a hatchet and a shovel to smash the target's ankles and knees, then chopped off the man's fingers one at a time. Realizing it wasn't enough pain in his books, Richard cut the man's head off and returned to Carmine with the head in a plastic bag. Impressed, the crime family saw Richard as a man who was destined for contract killing. 
Killing nearly 65 men by the early 60s, Richard believed his career in murder would thrive, but that was not the case. Life of crime became slow. Contract killings and truck hijackings weren't as frequent as they'd once been. Richard began to gamble away all of the money he made, which was usually somewhere around $20,000 a kill, and soon realized that he was about to hit rock bottom. His boss, Carmine, was victim to a mob hit and was shot and killed in his own kitchen. In desperate times, Richard had no choice but to temporarily cut ties to contract killing and took a job working at a trucking company. Richard met Barbara Pedrici, a beautiful young woman from an Italian family. Richard was soon fired for conversing with Barbara on one occasion after their boss forbade it, and because of this, Barbara felt pity towards him and invited Richard out for coffee. Being together, Richard began to take an interest in Barbara. For most of his life, he came across women who whored themselves. He had no respect for such women, but Barbara, she was pure and classy, something he desired in a woman. In no time at all, the two began going out on dates, and the connection Richard felt to Barbara resulted in an unhealthy obsession. Now dating, Barbara began to feel trapped by Richard. He wanted to be with her all of the time and no longer gave her the space to see friends. Her family was concerned as they saw how possessive he had become. Once confronting Richard and telling him that she wanted to be able to spend time with friends without him around, his eyes turned cold and he smirked unable to keep his anger hidden. Richard stabbed Barbara in the back of her left shoulder with a knife, threatening if she left him, he would murder her entire family. Fearing for her family's life, Barbara saw Richard's true side and had no choice but to endure his abuse for the sake of her loved ones. With nowhere to turn, Barbara learned that Richard carried weapons on him constantly and was a man with severe gambling issues. Richard became obsessed with Barbara. She was his possession. In no time, Barbara became pregnant with Richard's child, but miscarried after he forced her to sleep outside after catching her smoking a cigarette. Richard had previously married a woman who tied him down with two unwanted biological children. This was something Barbara's family didn't like at all. With no interest in his first wife or kids, Richard finally ended up divorcing his old wife and married Barbara as soon as he could. Barbara was now stuck with Richard for good. It didn't take long before Barbara was pregnant once again with another of Richard's children. Miscarrying once again, Richard began striking Barbara in front of her family and broke her nose several times. Now exhibiting the exact behavior his father once did to his mother, Barbara only saw two sides to Richard, the romantic and caring side, or that of an incredibly violent monster. With the help of Barbara's uncle, Richard was soon able to work in a film lab located in Manhattan. After three miscarriages, the couple had their first child together, a daughter named Merrick Kuklinski, in March of 1964. Despite fatherhood present in his life, Richard wanted more for his family and began turning back to a life of hijacking trucks for a living while working in the film lab. Barbara was soon pregnant after the birth of Merrick, and the two had their second daughter they named Kristen. Wanting more for his family, Richard turned to distributing illegal porn to provide better for his family. Without Barbara's knowledge, Richard began working long hours pirating porn for extra cash. Richard soon connected with Roy DeMeo, a crime soldier from the Gambino family. Roy threatened Richard for money he owed people in the porn industry and with the help of others gave Richard a good beating, a beating Richard never forgot. But soon enough, after debts were paid, Richard began working under Roy and his infamous DeMeo crew, a crew of men who specialized in contract murder. Richard was back to his dark ways, now aiding and robbing and murdering people that Roy disliked. In order to test Richard, Roy demanded Richard to get out of his car and murder an innocent man walking his dog on the street. 
Without any battle of conscience, Richard stepped out of Roy's vehicle and swiftly shot the man in the back of the head. Amused, Roy knew Richard was a cold man with no emotions. Barbara and Richard soon had their third child, a son they named Dwayne, who Richard grew to resent as he didn't want to share Barbara's affection with another male, even if it was his own child's son. A husband, father, and a contract killer, Richard's family had no idea what he was truly up to. Working alongside Roy DeMeo and killing at all hours, Richard left his home whenever he was needed. Though Roy and his crew were relentless murdering psychopaths, Roy considered Richard to be his secret weapon. Continuing to abuse Barbara, Merrick, Kristen, and Dwayne were witnesses to the violence. Scared of their father, Richard would come home furious and would beat Barbara, but refused to lay a hand on his children. Instigating Richard, Barbara would yell at him, only making him more violent with her. Richard's strength was immense. Barbara once recalled Richard picking up their dining table and hurling it almost effortlessly out a window, a table that required multiple men to get into the house in the first place. No longer wanting anything to do with Richard, Barbara was happy when Richard was out of the house. Occasionally, when Richard returned home in a good mood, he was considered to be the best father and husband in the neighborhood. With copious amounts of money, Richard gave his wife and children anything they wanted without question, while often hosting barbecues in his backyard and winning over the admiration of many. For 30 years, Richard went on to kill over 200 people through various methods that kept law enforcement guessing. Richard used every possible method to murder, such as killing with the use of guns, knives, explosives, fire, asphyxiation, and his favorite, poison. Bodies were tossed into oil drums, locked away in vehicles that were crushed in junkyards, or placed still alive and tied up in caves where victims were eaten alive by rats, among many other methods. Richard took a particular interest in feeding his living prey to rats. He'd often set up a camcorder and a light and film the entire event from start to finish, the rats emerging from the cave, poking around the struggling body and beginning to bite. The person would scream as the rats oftentimes devoured the eyes first. A slow, drawn-out, agonizing death that even repulsed some of the people who hired him to do the torturing and killing. Even they feared who Richard was. Richard soon became known as the Iceman to many, as he would purposely freeze the body of a victim, masking the time of death. During his relationship working with Roy, Richard frequently visited the Gemini Lounge. A hangout where Roy and his Italian crew murdered and dismembered bodies. Calling it the Gemini Method, the lounge became a butcher house where bodies were drained of their blood in a bathtub, dismembered limb from limb, and tossed into water or abandoned locations. After a series of unexpected downfalls, Roy DeMeo became a mess, and Richard did not like this. Richard never wanted crimes to follow his family. By 1982, the FBI was on to Roy, and because of this, he became paranoid of being killed by his own men for safety. Roy was under the FBI's thumb and was frantic and confided in Richard. Richard never forgot the beating Roy had given him that day years before, and now with Roy being a liability and having outlived his usefulness, and Richard not wanting to risk being caught because of his ties to Roy, Richard murdered Roy, shooting him multiple times in his car, though this claim has been disputed. By the 1980s, Richard became an independent killer who dealt with narcotics, pornography, arms dealing, money laundering, and contract killing around many parts of the world. After years of killing, Richard had formed his own crew, but soon began to slip after Richard murdered his entire crew with poison in their food, and police were able to tie the murders to Richard, reporting that he was the very last person to see the men alive. For six years, Detective Pat Kane became fixated on catching Richard. He knew that Richard had killed hundreds. Justice had to be served. 
Richard knew of justice in some way, however. Throughout his murderous career, Richard had killed two men he came across who were trying to rape a young boy. He rescued a group of children from a sex trafficking operation by killing their captors. He was also contracted to kill a rapist, and after torturing him by ripping off his genitals, filleting his skin, and disemboweling him, he threw the rapist, kept barely alive, into the ocean to hopefully be eaten by sharks. Richard hated child abusers and rapists. It would never kill a woman unless she herself was a killer. Richard's younger brother Joey was also a psychopath who turned murderer and would end up landing in prison because of it. He was convicted of raping and murdering a 12-year-old, and for this, Richard hated his brother. After years of tracking him down, police were finally able to capture Richard Kuklinski. On December 17, 1986, Richard was due to meet Dominic Polifrone, an undercover cop, in order to buy cyanide for a planned murder. Recording their conversation, police were able to arrest Richard two hours later by a roadblock. A gun had been found in his car. Barbara was also arrested for attempting to prevent Richard's arrest. Prosecutors charged Richard with five murder counts and six weapons, as well as attempted murder, robbery, and attempted robbery. In 1988, the jury found Richard guilty of two murders. Convicted of five murders, Richard was sentenced to consecutive life sentences, making him ineligible for parole until the age of 110. Though Barbara had a seething hatred for her husband, and she knew he was capable of horrendous things, she had no idea to what extent Richard had been going to all those years. Media outlets turned to Richard while he served his time, and he became enamored with the attention. Interviews with multiple medical professionals and television producers landed Richard with three documentaries and three biographies. Richard was able to discuss his life of crime, easily killing over 200 people. He spoke at length about how he killed anyone who wronged him, even if they were to ask him rudely for a lighter for their cigarette. In 2003, Richard pled guilty to the murder of a detective, adding an additional 30 years to his sentence. Richard Kuklinski died on March 5, 2006 in the secure wing at St. Francis Medical Center in Trenton, New Jersey from apparent natural causes, though Richard insisted before his death that he had been poisoned and that guards were withholding his medications. Richard was 70 when he passed away. That's all in this file. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow the Seriously Strange podcast so you don't miss what we've got in store for you. Watch the shadows and stay alive out there. Thanks to all of you for your support. The Seriously Strange podcast is made possible due in part to contributions made by our listeners like you. So if you would like to keep the Seriously Strange podcast online and accessible, please consider pressing the link that says support the show in the description of any podcast episode. You can then choose your preferred way to donate and send a contribution our way because we can't do this without our listeners support. If you decide to contribute, it's tremendously appreciated and we thank you so much. We read every single message included with each contribution, so feel free to include your comments or even make a request for a future topic. Thanks for listening. We've got a lot more in store for you. Take care and enjoy your next episode.